0: We are finite beings we are mortal we are biased it just that's just who we are it's our it's our design but god is altogether wonderful and wise and so so what is in proverbs is is that uh the expression the best expression of humility is is giving god the steering wheel right my, one of my favorite old jokes is is that if god is your co-pilot you're in the wrong damn seat this is four people with bishop rob wright
1: Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Hey, Bishop.
0: Hey, good morning.
1: (laughs) Hey, thanks for your devotion this week. Uh, You named it wealth, and it's a reflection on Proverbs 22. And to tell you the truth, it made me cry a little bit. Like Uh-oh. for real, uh, right. honestly, I think scripture has been doing that a lot to me lately and I'm typically not a crier. And so as I was preparing myself for our chat this morning, I wrote out like this really long paragraph reflecting all my scattered thoughts. And then I deleted it all because this isn't for people with Melissa Rao. <laughs> 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 and so instead I'm, I'm just going to set you up for a mini sermon. All right. Bishop. How is Proverbs 22 about love?
0: Oh, everything is about love. Uh, and that's, I mean, not the sentiment, the soul force, right? Not the sentiment, the soul force, right? We Here's where we start off with. We start off with the, the reality. The Bible doesn't say God uh, is loving, first and foremost. The Bible says God is love. That is the most durable. One way to think about God is the the most durable element in the universe right so as everything sort of surges and and lurches you know god is consistent love is consistent uh, as other things sort of fail to adapt stretch and break love adapts that's what the stories of the bible tell us the story of the prodigal son the, the story of the samaritan woman love continues to stretch it's elastic uh, and it's inclusive so Uh, When we think about wealth and and wealth defined as God's word, which safely directs us to abundance, right, then, of course, uh, wealth is about love and and the wealth that Proverbs 22 is talking about and that I'm talking about, you know, in this devotion. Uh, is about uh, a good name is better than silver and gold, right? In other words, how does God give us, the, what are the breadcrumbs on the way to having a good name? What is a good name and why is that wealth? And so in Proverbs 22, we get, we get a little bit of a an invitation to think about that, to, to get a better definition uh, of wealth than what we have, mm. than who we, as, you know, about who we are.
1: And therein lies the problem for me. Yeah. Uh, because we talk about having a good name and we talk about reputation yeah. and being popular. Yeah. And being popular doesn't necessarily equate to good reputation. Right. And so we're bombarded by news in the news of men and women who are leading our country who it would seem got to their station because people stopped caring about good reputation. I know that's problematic. It's like, it's like many are admiring others for being honest jerks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: I'm wondering how folks can justify and exemplify, exemplify such appalling comportment. And I guess, I guess while I'm, while I'm wondering how I am a part of the problem. So it's both judgmental and kind of an inward introspection of like, what am I doing to contribute to this?
0: <laughs> you yeah. know? Well, yeah, well, you know, this whole business about a good name, which I I suppose is, is you could say synonymous with a good reputation, is built on something specific and transcendent, right? And so it's not built on the things that are fleeting. It's not built, it doesn't say anything about uh, the exertion of power. It doesn't say anything about dominating anything. It doesn't talk about accumulation, right? It talks about... um, uh, living in obedience to God's Word. And God's Word is that you and I, uh, as I say in the meditation, are to be mindful of and, and be uh, striving for equity and justice, uh, given to service, uh, called to simplicity, uh, increasing in generosity, um, extending forgiveness, uh, and uh, applying Uh, what we know about the Lord uh, in Holy scripture to how we handle conflict resolution. Right. And so, and so, um, you know, that's your your point actually sort of helps to make this point. Society wants to say what its version of a good name is. Right. And that is the accumulation of things by any means necessary um, uh, without necessarily uh, uh, being meticulous about integrity or justice um, or being other-centered, uh, or uh, joy or peace. But, but what we're talking about, what Scripture is talking about, is another set of riches, which is joy, right, which is peace. Uh, all those uh, things that we talk about that are fruits of spirit. And so uh, why God is love and why God loves us, even in uh, Bible verses like this, which is that, that God leads us. We're not left to our own devices, right? The truth of the matter is, is that in Proverbs, what's sort of the, the thread through the whole thing is time and time and time again, we try to dream a world, construct the world, and it fails miserably, right? We we injure one another inadvertently or on purpose, uh, we we do this just because we are finite beings. We are mortal. We are biased. It, it just that's just who we are. It's our it's our design, but God is altogether wonderful and wise. And so so what is in Proverbs is is that uh, the expression the best expression of humility is is giving God the steering wheel. Right. It's my, one of my favorite old jokes is, is that if God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong damn seat. Right. So. So. <laughs> how, so how does God how does God drive? Right. You, say, you know, how does God drive? Well, how God drives us is that we we apply God's word to our real life. I mean, that's what I love about Proverbs, because it's, it's all about accumulated wisdom. It's all about a life with God being applied and passed on. Right. And so. That's that's the you know, we have knowledge and we put a lot on knowledge and information and knowledge and information are fantastic. Hallelujah. Right. And twice on Sunday. But what what is better than just knowledge and information is wisdom, which is sort of the, the skinny end of the funnel. Things get processed. And what we know and what what the author of Proverbs is pointing us towards is God's ways are the best ways and God's ways are the sure path to riches, riches in terms of family, in terms of wholeness, right? In terms of integrity, in in terms of, you know, what we call shalom, peace.
1: Bishop, you said God loves us enough to always point us to what is good and right. How do we get a good name? And you say this, by following God's plan for equity, justice, service, simplicity, generosity, forgiveness, and conflict resolution, all the things you just mentioned. But then you said, especially when those things cost us big. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you can maybe expand on that a little bit.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, in the, in the, in the world, what we, when we talk about wealth, we're talking about, you know, accumulated benefit, right? Uh, you know, perhaps an investment and those sorts of things, right? Uh, and it continues to grow. But but there's a risk taken. Right. There's some there's some dollars invested. There's some skin in the game. Right. That's how a lot of people get wealthy. They have to sort of stretch and make calculated guesses at risk. of so they play the market, whatever it is. They play the Powerball, whatever it is. Right. <laughs> Uh, what we're playing, you know, our power ball is, is that we're going to go with God for the long haul haul over the ups and the downs, right? And so we're betting each day, uh, those of us who are in, in wanting to walk with God and make God the steering wheel, we're betting every day that God's way is the best way, right? And so at some point as we go through life, we begin to accumulate insights about that, right? And as we accumulate insights about that, you and I become volumes, to the praise of God. Right. And so, uh, you know, being old is one thing, but being, being a a wise elder is another thing. Right. You know, one is a statement of chronological biological, you know, sort of definition. Another one is, is that, you know, we have lived with God long enough to get to know God as friend. And we know something about our good friend and we know something about the trustworthiness of our good friend and where our good friend is going. Right. And where our good friend is always going is these directions, joy, peace, love, generosity, simplicity, um, forgiveness, inclusivity, et cetera. And so we know that there's a tension there because we know that our friend, God, is going those places at a particular speed. And we are a little bit more reluctant and resistant to go where God is going to that speed. Do you, you see what I mean? And that, to that degree. And so the tension is, for all of us, uh, is, is that we're going to get to intersections. We're going to get to intersections in the marriage. With, uh, uh, we're going to get to intersections in our personal finances. We're going to get to intersections with our co-workers. We're going to get to intersections with our life with money. And then now we have an opportunity to put some skin in the game, right? Um, and, and that's how we become mature believers, is, is that again and again, finding ourselves at those intersections, we want God to win more than we want to win. We want God's wisdom to prevail more than we want our half-baked wisdom to prevail. So, so this is the riches that, this, that Proverbs 22 is talking about. And, and think about that. Think about a life like that. Again and again and again, struggling forward with God and landing in a big fat dollop of knowledge, right? That I know that God has my best interests at heart. And even though it costs me, because all this stuff costs, right? I mean, God is not microwave popcorn. People hear me say that all the time. We want God to be microwave popcorn, but God is not microwave popcorn. So so then what is the what is the entrance fee here? What is the cost? Well, humility. You're God and I'm not. So where would you have me to go, God, in this particular set of circumstances? How can I serve you? How can I amplify, increase your celebrity, God? That's always on the Christian's mind, always on the on the person who wants to be a friend to God's mind. Because, I, I mean, what kind of friend are you if you're only about yourself?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? right? I mean, what kind of friend is God to always be about us? Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, <laughs> think about it for just a second. I mean, we get a little too cute as far as I'm concerned, but think about it for a second, right? The author of all that there ever was and all that there ever will be has condescended God's self to leave us a a breadcrumb trail to grandma's house. I mean, who the hell are we that God should be so mindful of us? Psalm 8. But yet that God shows God's self friend by persevering through all of our, I wish we could use other words on our podcast, through all of our (laughs) stuff. God remains constant in all of our stuff, and yet here we are, never, never pulling up the ladder, always leaving the ladder down so that you and I might climb one step at a time. And so that's wealth. That's wealth. I remember uh, I saw a little snippet one time uh, of uh, you know one of my, my favorite reggae singer, Bob Marley, and a, and a guy was asking him, a, a British journalist was asking him, hey, are you a rich man? And, uh, and, and Bob said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, do you have a lot of money? He said, and Bob said, well, how much money uh, make you rich? And the guy said, yeah, millions of dollars. And Bob said, no, I don't have money like that. He said, but my riches is everlasting life. My, life, my, my riches are life forever, right? And so uh, he shifted the conversation from a narrow definition of wealth to something much more expansive and transcendent. And ultimately that's what we think This is that this is not just sort of techniques for a happy life, but we're on our way somewhere with our friend.
1: And thank God for those breadcrumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Friends will be right back after a short break.
0: This is Four People producer Easton Davis, thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode? Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to Four People and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People.
1: Welcome back to Four People.
0: That's a friend, man. That's a friend.
1: (laughs) Bishop, you mentioned the prosperity gospel. And for those who aren't familiar, could you summarize what that is and why it's problematic?
0: Yeah, well, therefore, I mean, it's sort of on the, on the decline now, but there for a while in sort of mainstream, what we might call evangelical Christianity, there was this sort of very popular notion that if you prayed certain prayers and you turned around three times and did a half twist and a split and you gave exactly the right dollar amount that uh, if you put that in the in the big vending machine called God, then in three days or five days or one year, you know, 16 times that amount of money would come out. And the in the sort of, uh, you know, I want to be fair, uh, but but, you know, the, the message was, um, you know, that, that, that God was going to be your wealth manager right that, that that God would uh would invest your your dollars in God's portfolio and and you would be uh you know blessed seven, ten you know twenty fold. What's sad about that was that it was a narrow understanding of a life with God, and it was an invitation to spiritualize superficiality right that that's the sad part about it the The, the good part about it, if there's a good part about it, is is that people were being invited. To trust God with their finances, but I think uh, sadly uh, that got corrupted, and and what people heard was this is a this is a religious get rich quick scheme, and and then we began to look at, at people, or they did begin to look at people as you know based on what you have, you must have favor with God, right? But we forgot that the <laughs> that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings walked among us with you know one outfit you know, and no, and no place to, to, to lay his head. So, so the logic was kind of twisted and the theology was kind of twisted. But because people uh, want money and need money and need provision, you know, it gained a lot of popularity. But I think it did a lot of damage to people's deeper understanding of who God is mm-hmm. and what God is.
1: So Bishop, did you know there are many leaders in our church, both ordained and lay, who have a tough time defining discipleship
0: <laughs>
1: like the to God that's a real thing. And so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that.
0: Well, I I don't know. I'm not privy to to whatever survey data or conversations <laughs> you are you trying to get me in trouble here. I, no, no. No, no. I, I, I will say I I I just want to define it the way Jesus seemed to define it, which is, you know, follow me and trust me and I'll, and I'll I'll uh, I'll show you life. Um uh so yeah, I don't have any comments on that. I I do think that um I do think that the church has an opportunity right now. I guess that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast and having this conversation. And that is is that there are people I do believe out there who earnestly want to seek after God and who earnestly want to please God and who earnestly want to be God, godly difference makers in the world. And so what I want to do and what others want to do that I know of is is that we want to sow into that. We want to seed that. We want to fertilize that. right? We want people to grow in grace. So, so yeah, I think there's an opportunity right now. I think as the generations shift also, I think there's a generation of young people, especially who don't know the Bible stories, who, who don't sort of, you know, they're not handy with the Bible and so on and so forth. I think that's an opportunity. I think into that vacuum, the church has an opportunity um, to define discipleship. You know, I, I say all the time, that Jesus is a lot cooler than the church is, right? Jesus is Jesus, like a lot of people that I know who don't even go to church and would never go to church, they think Jesus is real cool and Jesus should be paid attention to. Right. And so I think that that, that there's a paradigm for us to seize on the church, and that is like, what is it that they dig and love about Jesus that the church has failed at communicating and how might we recover some of that ground? Right? So, so, you know, I, I know that's a that's a that's one way to to try to answer that. I think it needs to be defined. And I think the definition doesn't need to be austere and ominous and sad and tragic. I mean, I think that, you know, any guy who can wander around Galilee and just sort of crash parties, you know, and make connections with all kinds of people is my kind of Jesus.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I was reading the list of all of the things and I'm like, you know, most people, though they might not be able to define discipleship can express who they believe Christians are yeah. based upon the fruits that yeah. they
0: see. Yeah. Yeah. And this, it's sad too, because we were, we were given such riches uh, as disciples of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> but in, you know, what we, we're squandering that because now the brand association with Christianity is small, is scared, is moralistic, is homophobic, yeah. uh, is xenophobic. It's all these other things. Right. And so, And so the wealth that we've been given, this big, expansive, beautiful way to be in the world, right, has now been sort of uh, disfigured, right, disfigured into these small, trite, little sad things. And I think that's what a lot of people are saying hell no to. And they're right to say hell no to that expression, right? But the wealth, the real expression, right, the abundance is everything we've talked about, equity, justice, simplicity, generosity, forgiveness, et cetera. You know, one of the ways I also like to think about this as an opportunity to talk to people is is that whether you're Hindu, Baha'i, Jew, Muslim, Christian of many stripes, there are bridges that every human being have to walk across. So, So whether you believe in something, some system, or you do not believe in some system, just being a human in the world, you're going to have to walk across the bridge of what is life? What is a good life? What does generosity mean? What does selfishness mean? What does other centeredness mean? What does forgiveness mean? What does conflict resolution mean? Right, and so because everybody has to walk across those bridges, what is love? Everybody has to walk across those bridges. I think we have six thousand years on our side of being able to talk about it, right? But the invitation for those of us who have the microphone is to is to you know use the wealth we've been given. Use the story, use the invitation, use the gentleness and correction, use the kindness, all those sorts of things, rather than hack at people, right, about their fractured nature. And I think that that, that is what people are right to to uh, refuse. And so here again, this great wealth that we've been given, and now, you know, God seems to be asking us, won't you pass on my wealth? right? Not your, not your partial conclusions, but pass on my wealth.
1: Bishop, as always, I'm grateful. And thank you, listeners, to listening to four people. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Bright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.